Sup, y'all? This is a little spooky, a podcast about things that spook us a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies. When you wake up and your face is all green, what's going on? Why am I green? But you forgot that you face painted yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. It's stupid. <laughs> My name is Everett. That happens to me on a daily basis. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> My name is Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> um, not as stupid. There's a reboot, I guess, or like a sequel of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Watched that last night. Pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah. How many are there now? I don't know. That, that's one of those old horror classics that I feel like does. I know there is at least one sequel, but there's not like 10 like there is with like Friday the 13th. Huh. It was pretty good, though. I've never really big into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. Why? I don't because you hate Texas. Yeah, yes. Of all the states that could leave the union, Texas could be it. But it's so big. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Texas. So big. Like your hats and your. Joseph's Cacti. down there. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? I just said I liked it. You said you hated it. Like you put those words in my mouth. I wish you did because my intro sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we talking about today? Okay, so let's just move on from whatever that weird shit was and talk about today's episode, which is going to be a double topic. Werewolves. Specifically. Oh. Exactly. Werewolves as they were understood in Western Europe, England, France, Germany. So the Awu. Yeah, the Awu kind. Now, werewolves themselves, obviously interesting. But on top of that, we're going to talk about one very particular person slash werewolf, Peter Stump, who was a 16th century German serial killer, cannibal, werewolf, witch. Or warlock, or what? I don't. I really don't <laughs> know the difference. The thing is, the people of Germany honestly just threw like every conceivable "quote unquote" evil title at this guy. Sure, the boogeyman. Yes, he's basically everything wrong with the world, and according a, to the Middle Ages. And in he Germany. has a fake name too. Fake name? Stump. Who's named Stump? Well, you'll find out. You're right. I'm surprised. I'm oh. surprised you. I'm surprised you that knew just that. But you're right. I guess it's just like a clairvoyance thing. But that sounds like a fake ass name. Yeah. Yes, and it does for a reason. I'll get to it. But before I get started, just want to let you know where my information is coming from. So the majority of my information about Peter Stump, and the majority of information you'll ever be able to find about Peter Stump, is based off a contemporary source. Specifically, a 16-page pamphlet translated from German to English and published in London on June 11th, 1590. The okay. title. When you, said, when you said contemporary, I thought you contemporary meant like, to the time period. Okay, because I was going to say that's that's not still now. pretty old. <laughs> yes. Okay, so the title of this pamphlet specifically is a true discourse. Declaring the damnable life and death of one Stuba Peter, a most wicked sorcerer who in the likeness of a wolf committed many murders, continuing this devilish practice 25 years, killing and devouring men, women, and children, who for the same fact was taken and executed the 31st of October last past in the town of Bedburg near the city of Colin in Germany. Truly translated out of the High Dutch according to the copy printed in Colin, brought over into England by George Boris, ordinary post, the 
the 11th day of this present month of June 1590, who did both see and hear the same. Gotta shorten the title. <laughs> I don't know, man. I love this whole That's shit. That's a way, way long title. That's is, the having, first full page. Yes. No, it truly is. Yeah. Having worked in like an antiques book library, this is just how books of that time period were titled. It sounded like a run-on sentence. It re- I mean, it is. There's there's no punctuation in there, but like they very rarely put punctuation in general. Anyways, I think it's the whole thing's written in like the old style where all the V's are U's and there's a lot of like E's at the end of words that don't need E's. Yieldy, Spec- shoppy. Yes. There's no, like, standardized writing, so it looks like they kind of just decided to spell things the way they wanted. Sure. Which is how they did things. Anyways, all that information is right there in the title. There's really no questioning what this bad boy is going to be I about. I stopped paying attention because the title was too long. <laughs> Essentially, the main source and the only... The only contemporary source we have of the the time is this pamphlet. And it's not even the original German pamphlet. It's the English translation of the German pamphlet. The German one was lost to time. Oh, okay. So there are two remaining physical copies of this pamphlet, the English version. And you can, like, very easily find it online if you want to read it. A scanned copy, yeah. Yep, and it's super interesting if you can get past like the flowery old-timey like middle english language is that middle english don't don't come at me um if you can get past all of that it's fascinating to read it's just like a weird awesome glimpse into the time period okay not gonna yeah i know you won't (laughs) but if you're interested in things like the the uh, salem witch trials this might really interest you before I get into the tale of Peter Stump, we got to talk about what is a werewolf. Oh. The concept of humans turning into wolves or other deadly creatures goes back thousands of years. Oh, yeah. Millennia. Yeah. The Epic of Gilgamesh is what people generally consider to be the first written down tale of a werewolf. And the Epic of Gilgamesh was written in Mesopotamia in about 2100 BC, and it mentions the story of a woman who turns her ex-lover into a wolf. I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's the general. So it's really a, a werewolf. It's just a, a hex. Yes a and no. I mean, it, 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 it captures the essence of a person being human and wolf. And okay. we also have, as we've talked about in many previous episodes, the indigenous idea of the skinwalker. There's Nordic folktale, an ancient one called the Saga of Volsungs, where a father and son discovered wolf pelts that could turn them into wolves for 10 days, and then they went on a killing rampage through the forest. The idea of a werewolf is a person who can turn into a wolf completely, or in some cases, and I feel like this is like usually the more modern depictions is like a half man, half wolf kind of hybrid sort of thing. So mm-hmm. like when you see a picture of a werewolf, it doesn't just look like a regular wolf. It's like a scary man claw wolf. <laughs> you stop me at any time. Well, I yeah, that makes sense. It's a beast. It's not just a wolf. It's, it's a monster. Right, yes. And generally, they have like an insatiable... Thirst for murder. Take Harry Potter 
Everybody knows Harry Potter, right? I think when people think werewolf, it's either Harry Potter or Twilight now. Sure. So let's take Harry Potter. You've got, what's his name? Professor Lupin, Mm -hmm. where he's like a normal, cool dude, right? He's like an innocent, awesome guy who's like Harry Potter's mentor. Right. But when he turns into a wolf, he can't help himself. Yeah. He doesn't recognize anybody as human. He just attacks for no reason. Right. That's kind of the essence of a werewolf. Like, it doesn't matter what they're like as a person. Once they're the beast, they're the beast. It's and like nothing can stop them. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Sometimes in the werewolf mythos, and actually usually nowadays in like the modern version of werewolves, they turn into wolves during a full moon like you don't just turn a a lot of like of the older myths and legends and stories they could turn into wolves at will or every night or at any time but now it's kind of evolved into the full moon right and there's i don't i couldn't necessarily find where that comes from but there's always been some kinds of like legends and feelings about the full moon being like a wild time you know what i mean yeah for sure and i think and I might be completely wrong. Someone can correct me if they would wish to. But I think the whole idea of the full moon being a symbol of bad luck came from medieval Europe, which would make sense with the turn of the, sure. the concept around that time. Well, that I don't know. But do you remember like in elementary school when everybody would be kind of like loud and going crazy and the teacher would be like, must be a full moon. Yeah, my mom still says that. Right, like even now there's kind of that urban legend, superstition, that's the word, for a full moon. And interestingly, here's a fact I came across in my research. An Australian hospital did a study between August 2008 and July 2009 and they found that 23% of all violent behavior incidents happened on a full moon. Which you wouldn't think 23%. That's a quarter throughout the entire course of a year in a hospital, of which there are many violent incidents that occur at hospitals. And these people specifically stated that the incidents that involved scratching, biting, actual attacks, weird stuff, that's what happened during the full moon. As of right now, it's unclear as to like why certain people may have become violent during the full moon. But it's just an interesting correlation of hyperactivity, violence. High strangeness. High strangeness happening during Um, the full moon. And I know a few former cops that have said the same thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's just their personal opinions. There's no way to prove it. But they always say they're busier. Like they get more calls on a full moon. I mean, I don't have any statistics to back it up, but it feels like... Is it just because it's easier to see at night so you can get up to <laughs> more shenanigans? I don't know. Witches dance naked under a full moon. So there's always been something about full moon. Witches be dancing at any moon. That's true. Anyways, our modern Western ideal of a werewolf comes from the Greek legend of King Lycaon. Lycaon. I'm sorry, everyone. I didn't look up how to pronounce his name before we recorded this. I assume that's where lycanthropy comes from. Yes, right. I'm going to call him Lycaon. Let's just say Lycan. Sure. He murdered a person that Zeus was protecting. And Zeus, being understandably pissed off, hit King Lycan with a lightning bolt and transformed him into a wolf. Now, that story 
doesn't necessarily sound like our idea of how you become a werewolf today. But the poem as it was written kind of relates to the immoral behavior of the king to his wolf transformation. Like basically his character defects of like being vicious and scary and violent are all suddenly outwardly reflected onto his person. When he's transformed. When he's transformed into a wolf. Sure. That so, makes sense. Yes. So as a human, you know, people are normal and innocent, but we all have like animalistic, immoral tendencies. I guess not necessarily immoral, but. We're all sinners. Yeah, going to sure. Hell. <laughs> sure. Like you become what your behavior suggests that you are. People have been telling stories about bad people turning into wolves for a long time, and it's. An interesting way to explain behavior. Like even now, if you were to hear about, I don't know, let's say Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. And it would not be weird for someone to be like, he's not a person, he's an animal. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's truly a monster. He's not human. Right. Like I- it's too hard to believe that a human could do something like that. So we project it onto an animal. Like he's not human. He's a monster. For those that don't know, he ate or killed and ate many boys. Yes. Truly monstrous. Yes. Some people even theorize that some werewolves were actually just serial killers who may have blamed their crimes on wolves, which sounds very stupid. But if you think about it, the term serial killer didn't actually come around until 1981. When big cereal was around. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) The thing is, we know that serial killers obviously existed before 1981. Yeah, H.H. Holmes. H.H. Holmes, think like Elizabeth Bathory. And um, the, the guy from London, his name. Jack Jack the Ripper. Ripper. Yeah, Yeah, but the thing is, people weren't thinking about serial killers the way they do today. Right. I mean, I feel like it's easier, especially back in the way back times, it's easier to blame a wolf for a bunch of murders around your town than it is for you to believe that your neighbor is the person that's been killing them. Right. And if, if the concept of a serial killer isn't in the forefront of your mind like it is for all of us today because of true crime documentaries and stuff. Right the concept of a serial killer means nothing to you, then of course it would be very easy to be like a wolf did it. Yeah. And or if you whatever were the your one, local legend is. Yeah. And if you were the one killing him, why not blame it on a wolf? Yeah. That makes sense. However figuratively we take werewolves to be today, I think everyone would agree that for the most part, at least around here, people aren't necessarily believing that werewolves that transform under a full moon actually literally exist right but in the past in the middle ages they were very real and one of the most infamous and grisly stories of werewolves is the true story of peter stump the early life of peter stump is not super well known everything we know comes from that 16th century pamphlet And I think that pamphlet was particularly detailed because the holy roman empire at the time Probably wanted to make an example out of him. Yeah. Hey, He's a don't be a werewolf or we'll kill you right. sort, of, <laughs> sort of thing. But here's what I could find out about his early life. So Peter Stump was born sometime around 1545 or 1550 in Bedburg, Germany. As you guessed, it's 
Peter Stump is probably not his real name. There's a bunch of different names associated with this guy. Mm -hmm. Peter Stump, Peter Stube, Peter Stuba, Stumpf. Basically different ways to say Stump in different languages. But he was also referred to as Abel Griswold or Ubel Griswold. So my guess is that he started out as Abel Griswold. Like that was more likely his birth name. The thought is that later in his life, or perhaps even after he died, he gained the name Stump because his left hand was cut off. Uh, so essentially, they called him Peter Stumpy. They're making fun like, of yes, his, it's, his disability. And I could not find out if that nickname happened like during his lifetime or if after this story was told, that's when he became Peter Stump. But he was written in the pamphlet as Peter Stump. So... I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe that was a nickname just because they know his real name. It's not like it really matters. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. I'm going to call him Peter Stump because that's the way we know the story. He was known to be a rather wealthy farmer at the time. This is kind of a smaller town, and he actually lived like right in the outskirts doing farm shit. Yeah. So he's pretty well off. And by the 1580s, he was known to be a widower, and he had two children. One was a daughter named Sybil, or I believe her nickname was Bila. She was around the age of 15, probably a little older. Okay. And he also had a son whose age we do not know. And we don't know his name either. From 1564 to 1589, there were a series of strange murders happening around Bedburg. Okay. Now, this is where the story really parallels... The episode we recently did about the Beast of Gévaudan. Okay. We're talking about a farming community in the Middle Ages. And wolf attacks or deaths caused by wolves and other predators are not uncommon in this time period and location. Sure. Because these are farming communities. They're raising livestock. Obviously, places where livestock are being raised, wolves are going to, you know, take advantage of that. So wolf attacks and deaths caused by wolves, they're not uncommon. But at the same time, the people living in these areas are familiar with wolf attacks and they're wary about them. So they're probably aware of how to protect themselves and their livestock in the event of a wolf attack. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it still happens. So people are aware of what a general wolf attack looks like. But the amount of them that happen in this 25-year period is, like... Sus. Suspicious, yes. People are not only starting to doubt that these are random wolf attacks because there have been so many of them, but they're also starting to whisper about seeing, like, a weird wolf creature roaming the area. It's described in the pamphlet as, quote... Greedy, strong, and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like unto brands of fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body, and mighty paws. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this is exactly like the Beast of Gévaudan's story. People hearing about this, this keeps going on, there's all these weird-ass attacks, people are starting to hunt this creature. Yeah. Don't kill my cow. Or other. Yeah, stay away from my cow or other livestock. (laughs) It's taking their neighbors, it's taking their livestock, which is their livelihood, and people are starting to stumble upon human remains. Uh Like, there's just, 
it's more than normal. Kids would had started to go missing. And at this point, people are like, if your kid's gone, your kid's gone. And the, the wolf probably took him. I mean, I think that's how it always was. If your kid's gone, your kid's gone. What well, can you do? I don't know. I mean, like, if your kid growing up back then, you're probably responsible for taking your livestock out to pasture. And you I assume you're not living off the clock. So if you're not back by a certain time, I imagine your parents aren't particularly worried. Sure. At first. Anyways, the point is, kids are going missing, people are stumbling upon their bodies, everyone's scared to death, until... Wait, wait, before you keep going, is it mostly kids that were victims? Yes, mostly kids. Until 1589, when whatever this wolfy beast was, tries to attack a girl who's herding cattle. But why was she hurting them? What did they do to her? <laughs> so, the cattle getting spooked fight off this beast, exactly like the Beast of Javudan. Mm -hmm. So basically, this girl is rescued by her cattle. The people in the pamphlet are write down that God actually saved her through the cattle, but I'm going to give the cattle all the credit for this one. You can't, you can't make a cow a saint I, or a prophet or whatever you want to call you it. Can't, I guess animals are not allowed to get any of the credit. All dogs go to heaven. True. <laughs> well, after this incident, a party went out hunting this creature, and they actually were able to find it and fight it. And at the end of the fight, the wolf actually escapes, but they cut off his left paw. Stump. Stump. <laughs> now, after this, there was another search party that went out. I mean, like, periodically parties are going out to hunt this shit. Yeah. At one point, ultimately, there is a pack of hunting dogs that finally encircles the beast as they're hunting. And they're barking at it and sniffing and blah, blah, blah. And all of the hunters go up to call off their dogs and mm -hmm. to, like, you know, kill this wolf that they've got cornered. Only when the hunters get up there and they call off their dogs, there's no wolf in the middle. Sitting on the ground is Peter Stump. Hmm. And they caught him red-handed. Except he's missing his hand. <laughs> just like the wolf. Okay. Did they witness a transformation no. or they just witnessed the wolf being gone and a rando being there? Yes. Yep. Okay. They specifically mentioned they did not witness the transformation. But when they went to go, you know, shoot the wolf or whatever, there was no wolf. It was just Peter. Stump. And it definitely couldn't have been the wolf biting off his hand and then running away or anything like well, that. Well, the thing was, it was a wolf when the dogs were circling it. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, but they don't witness it. I'm just saying, could a guy has been there, wolf came, bit his hand off, and then got away. I mean, I, I, yes. Likely? No. Is it likely that this man transformed from a wolf to a person? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wolves be biting, that's all I'm saying. That's true. I don't know. The point, the story goes, as they pull their dogs off, they find it's not the wolf, it's Peter Stump. Okay. So this hunting party ended up turning Peter into the authorities, which meant interrogation. And as we all know, during this time period, interrogation just means torture until they get the, the and, answers they want. Or until they die. In order to, to get Peter ready for his interrogation, they tie him to a rack. Now, if you don't know what the rack is, it's pretty much a big wooden torture device meant to stretch your body but like in a bad 
bone breaking dislocate way and not like in a nice chiropractory way. Right. So it's a plank. Your limbs are on either side or sometimes the corners and then they pull your limbs. But in his case, he's only got one arm. Yeah, but they can string him up by the stump. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. These are some I'm just, ingenious. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, so they, they tie him off to the rack. But before they even start their fun torture session. So fun. He immediately starts talking. He immediately confesses. Well, he confesses. Mm-hmm. According to Peter Stump himself, he confessed to practicing black magic ever since his 12th birthday when he met with the devil who gave him the promise of earthly pleasures in exchange for his soul. Just, just your soul for some earthly pleasures. How old is Peter at this time? Twelve. Oh, at this time? Yeah. So if he was born around 1550 and it is now... You said 89? 89. He okay, about 49 or 50. Almost 50, yeah. Okay. One, keep in mind, these attacks have been happening for about 25 years. Right. Yeah. So he's been practicing since he was 12. He uh, He's offered earthly pleasures. I don't know what that is. And specifically, I don't know if the devil outlined a list of what he would choose to provide. I don't know. He but said he was wealthy, too. Maybe it was just was. a well-off position, and he could also do wolf stuff. Right. But according to the pamphlet, mere earthly pleasures were not enough for Peter Stump. He's described as a wicked fiend pleased with the desire of wrong and destruction, inclined to blood and cruelty. Instead, well, in addition to the earthly pleasures, the devil offers him a belt. And when he wears this belt, he can transform into a wolf. And when he removes the belt, he's human again. Mm. Though I don't know how a wolf will get a belt on and off. Like, I mean, I don't know if we're talking about like a modern belt with like a buckle, but like, I don't know how a wolf paw could manipulate that well enough to get it off unless he like shimmied out of it. And we're talking about a wolf with one paw or for that matter, like a human with one hand. You ever try putting a bracelet on with one hand? Well, he only, had, he only had one paw right before he was caught. Yeah, right? but he had to have somehow put it on and taken it off that at least when he got caught. Well, yeah, just take, taking it off. To transform back. Yeah, to but he human. had to put it back. He was missing the paw before he got caught. So he had to have put it on. Oh, okay. This is a stupid argument. The point is. It's not, I'm not arguing. <laughs> so it's like a weird superhero, like, <laughs> utility belt. They were never able to find this belt. So all this is all my imagination. I'm just picturing a regular leather belt. But, you know, maybe it's just like a piece of leather that you tie on. Yeah, I mean, I think belt would refer to anything that fastens clothing. Sure. So it could be literally a strip of material. <laughs> Should we get the dictionary out for this one? Anyways, belt, magic belt. He uses Super it to turn magic. into a wolf. So Peter confessed to killing and consuming 14 children and two pregnant women. And of the unborn fetuses, he said, I ate their hearts hot and raw and described them as dainty morsels. His, <laughs> his son was revealed to actually be the result of an incestuous relationship between him and his daughter, and he eventually killed and ate his son as well. Oof. He also took a, quote, she-demon as a mistress, and he seduced many other good Christian women. So he's got a, a many a children out there. 
supposedly. Yes. And in addition, he ate other people's livestock. I mean, obviously, he wouldn't have touched his own because he's got to make money off of it. But he definitely felt fine eating people's goats, apparently. Um, It was said that he took great pleasure in walking around Bedburg as a human during his murder spree. And he would visit the families of his victims and offer condolences. And then he would pick out new victims and lure them into the woods where he would then put on his belt and eat and murder them. So well, he, murder and then eat. So or he, both. He got pleasure not only from the crime, but revisiting the crime. Yes. The schadenfreude. Mm-hmm. So for all of this, he was sentenced to death. There is no proof about his mistress or, like, his son being the product of an incestuous relationship between him and his daughter. I, that was likely added to the pamphlet oh, as propaganda. Okay. I mean, it's it's possible that it's true. I'm doubting that his mistress was actually a she-demon, but what do I know? The point is, they were—he did have a mistress. He did have a daughter. I don't know what happened to his son, but um, his daughter and his mistress were sentenced to death, too, as accomplices to the crime. He could have just left them out of it. Yeah, he totally could have. But, you know, they're accessories. Now, the reason that Peter Stump is remembered in particular is because the method of his execution was excessively brutal. Again, I think they're trying to make an example of him. And you will see why a little later on in this episode. I'll explain why they would particularly want to make an example of killing a werewolf. If torture and execution makes you uncomfortable, you may want to fast forward like a solid two minutes. I mean, I'm hoping it makes you uncomfortable anyways, but... Why? You have a little shot in foot, too. I'm morbidly curious. You're you're hoping it makes me uncomfortable. I'm hoping that everybody is uncomfortable with the concept of torture and death. Oh, sure. Yes. (laughs) But if you're morbidly curious like I am, listen on. After torturing him, because they did a good old torture session once he... With the stretchies. With the stretchies, and they probably did other bad things that weren't written down. But after they're done torturing him and he makes his confession, they tie him to a large wheel and then use 10 red-hot burning pinchers to slowly pull all of the flesh off of his body in pieces while he's still alive. And then they took the blunt side of a wooden axe and shattered his arms and legs like all of the ones in his arms and legs so that if he were to come back as a werewolf he wouldn't be able to go anywhere because he's got jelly leg and all of his arm and legs well he's got two arms he's just missing a hand silly okay after they did that and he's skinless and got jelly arms and legs they decapitated him so he's officially dead at that point they burn the rest of his body on a bonfire Um, And then the torture wheel, the head, and like a little crude statue of a wolf were all displayed in the middle of the town as a warning to any other potential wolves, human (laughs) to wolf shapeshifters. Okay. So I have a lot more of this episode to go in terms of explanation about werewolves at the time. Let's talk about Peter Stump theories. What do you think? Was he actually a werewolf? (laughs) That's also the same question as, do you believe in werewolves? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say no. Okay. But I do think that he probably was a serial killer and couldn't explain 
the actual reasoning behind his want to do that. Mm -hmm. So he just had to call himself a beast. Yeah. And that's a very interesting theory. And you may change your mind after you hear the rest of this episode. But that's kind of what I was thinking yeah. after I read his when story we only first. have one source to go off, too. Correct. He could have just one been a very dude. biased source. Yeah, he could have just been a dude that got pinned with wolf exactly. attacks. Yes. Well, okay, here are the intriguing pro-werewolf slash murderer points. The paw. Monkey's the, paw. The paw, wolf's paw was cut off, and coincidentally, around the same time, Peter or perhaps he was probably called Abel at the time, ended up showing up at the scene of the crime, missing the same paw slash hand. I'm sure there were so many people at this time that were missing a limb. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to come out right now and say I don't think he's a werewolf. I'm just I'm just trying to go, go know, at it at all angles. I'm just saying it's, it's, it is a coincidence that he's missing the same limb the wolf was, but I'm sure a lot of people were missing their left hand. Yes. True. And honestly, he was a farmer. Even now, farmers have a very high probability of losing body parts. Compared to general. Pop. Compared to the they, yeah, they, they deal with some dangerous stuff. Um, okay, how about the fact that he confessed even before he was tortured? According to the pamphlet. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he was actively being threatened with bodily harm, <laughs> which, well, which would stop let's, me. Let's also think, though, like to the people that were you know, conducting the investigation, if you want to call it that, they want to make themselves look good. Mm -hmm. So they're going to say, yeah, he confessed before we even started torturing him. But then they continue to torture him anyways right. after he confessed. Yes. And the thing is, I don't, you have to know that you are going to suffer likely a grievous death if you confess to killing 14 people, at least in this time period. But also if you don't, because you're going to be yeah, tortured he was, anyway. He was, he was screwed either way. So it was a loose situation for him, I guess. A monkey's paw agreement, if you will. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So now here's, I have this written down, but you basically already said it, that do you remember in the Beast of Jovedon episode where I said one of the theories of all of those deaths was that there was potentially a serial killer who right. was killing all of those people. But again, like people weren't necessarily attuned to the idea of a serial killer. So they blamed it on a wolf at the time. Right. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. Like, what if this is something similar to that? And it could have been him. I mean, if it's true that he confessed right away after being caught, that would make the most sense to try and explain it. Like, yeah, I become a beast when I have the urge to kill. Yeah. Like, he has no way to explain his impulses. Right. Yeah. So, Peter Stump at the time was not the only confessed werewolf. Not even close. There were hundreds of people who confessed to being werewolves at this time. So this is just a thing to do. There was a werewolf hysteria happening at the time. I see. Here's just a, I have a couple other short examples, just if you're, just so you can kind of see the pattern. So this lasted for hundreds of years, this hysteria, mostly from like mid 1500s to the late 1600s. Okay. Now here's one. Hans the werewolf. In 1651, 18-year-old Hans in Estonia confessed to being a werewolf for two years, that a man in black had given him the body of a wolf. This one was particularly interesting because at the time, most people believed that it wasn't the person themselves that actually turned into a wolf, but they sent their spirit out as a wolf 
to slaughter people. Kind of like um, during the witch trials when people believed, oh, she sent her spirit out to curse me. But that's why you could see her at church. Very convenient. Yes. But Hans actually said, no, I physically turn into a werewolf. I've physically woken up and seen actual bite marks on my body from getting in tussles with other people and animals. So like here, this it's physically me becoming a wolf. In Latvia in 1692, an 80-year-old man named Tice confessed to being a werewolf, but he confessed to being a good werewolf. <laughs> he did not kill and eat people. He went to hell three times a year to fight Satan and ensure a good harvest. So... But through interrogation and torture, the court tried as hard as they could to get him to confess that he actually had made a pact with Satan and was a bad werewolf. But no matter what they did to him, he refused to admit that he was a bad werewolf. He just said he's a good werewolf and he was just trying to do this for the betterment of the community. That's not why you should be torturing that guy. You should be torturing him until he does it. <laughs> until he transforms I don't know man they eventually gave up they decided to just like whip and banish him for wolf craft at least they didn't kill him no but I wonder if their crops failed the next year because he, he wasn't down there fighting for them crops more like craps <laughs> alright you know what's interesting though hmm. I'm getting from this hysteria mm -hmm. it's kind of like in modern day with serial killers they're just blaming like multiple personalities mm -hmm. or some similar mental illness or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. It's like the same thing, really, yeah. when you think about it. It's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yes. Two personalities, same person. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get to that. Oh. I'll get to those kinds okay. of theories. Okay. Um, my last example of people confessing is, is an interesting one, and it's a pretty well-known one. In the 1590s, 13-year-old Albert confessed that his father... Him, his 17-year-old sister, his 14, 11, and 8-year-old brothers could all turn into wolves and cats by the command of Satan. And they all danced with the devil and killed animals together. Under torture, the father and sister confessed to also being werewolves and they were executed. The boys were all whipped, but because they were just kids, they were spared. What's interesting is it's the 13-year-old boy who just willingly came up and said, like, hey... We're werewolves. You think it's and he basically condemned his entire family to death. And I can't figure out why. It's like the Salem Witch Trials. Mm -hmm. Children bored. Exactly. Um, do you think it's gender specific? Like the girls were cats and the dudes were werewolves? Or do you think it's just kind of luck of the draw? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not specify. sure. This is the only instance in which I saw cats. Somebody did say bears at one point. But we're mostly focusing on wolves here. I'd rather be a bear. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so now we're going to get into this werewolf hysteria. Like, where where did all of this come? Why would you confess to being a werewolf? Werebear. Or a werebear. Or a werecat. At this point, we're probably all aware of the Salem witch trials. Yeah. And the general witch hysteria that went through Europe and North America. It started in Europe. Yeah. And then I it, believe it, was it was like a full 200 years later in America. Yeah, yes. I mean, it was still going on in Europe, but it had basically fizzled out. Right. So... That's an episode on its own. We should do an episode on the Salem Witch Trials we, sure. in the future. So if you don't know about it, stay tuned. Read, read the Crucible. 
or read the crucible but i mean to boil it way 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 down for anybody who might not know what the salem witch trials or just the witch trials in europe in general were in 16th and 17th century europe people went around accusing women and sometimes men of witchcraft which resulted in a bunch of super fascinating and horrifying trials and then the gruesome deaths of many 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 innocent people Right. The, the Salem witch trials in in specific were a very small subset of like the whole witch phenomena happening across the world. Right. Salem's just definitely the most popular American most, one. It's the yes, and it's very well detailed. You can read all the trial transcripts. It's fascinating. Um very religious uh very important religious overtones. Yes. But as Everett said, in Europe, this was happening earlier. Yes. It just took longer to happen to, to reach America. So about 200 years before the Salem witch trials was a simultaneous witch and werewolf hysteria throughout Europe. Now, most of the time, and I wonder if it's because the Salem witch trials were so popular, we hear about these as witch trials, but werewolves were equally as feared hmm. and basically they were treated as witches sure what's interesting to me and this is just an observation that i made and i'm no historian so i could be wrong but it seems like the witch trials focused on women with few men sprinkled in there but the werewolf trials focused on men with a few women sprinkled in there so hmm. i wonder if it was just kind of like a gender thing Maybe. i will say that a lot of times the charges were the exact same so like you could be charged with being a werewolf and a witch or even some people were charged with being a werewolf and then that would be thrown away and they'd be charged with being a witch Either so they're way, kind of end up dead yes they're kind of interchangeable in a way but one of them and i believe witches focusing on women was more like people leaving their bodies and cursing other people or like you know, causing infertility and werewolves were more brutal murders, homicide. homicide. So I wonder if that was kind of a distinction between men and women. I don't know. Again, that's all from my own head. Hmm. The driving forces behind the witch trials and the werewolf historia were pretty much the exact same. It arose because of superstition, religious and political clashes, or people trying to find explanations or scapegoats for shitty things that were happening, like... Crop failure, bad weather, murder. infertility, murder, things they might have perceived as curses, things they couldn't explain, that sort of thing. Whether witch trials were driven by fear of demons and Satan and religious concepts, werewolf hysteria was kind of more driven by people's innate fear of death by wolf. You know, the unknown, what's in the dark, animal death <laughs> i mean it's more physical as i said before if, like dealing with the real threats versus the perceived threats Correct. of religion however they overlap because a lot of these people became werewolves due to deals with satan right. so it's kind of hard to untangle one concept from the other when religion was real like much realer than it is now yes the first recorded instance of a werewolf accusation and murder was in 1521 in france and there was a wolf attack that led the authorities to Michel Verdun, who was arrested and tortured and confessed to being a werewolf, much in the same way that people would be tortured into confessing that they were witches. He also dragged two other guys in there with him, Pierre 
Bourgot and Philibert Monteau. Apologies to any French speakers. They claimed to have made a pact with three men dressed in black who said they would protect their sheep in exchange for them to reject their belief in God. And it's a pretty cheap trade. It all feels say, like it, yes. All you have to do is say, I don't like God. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think the idea is the soul. You're giving up your soul. <laughs> You're giving yes. them their soul. <laughs> so these men dressed in black gave them an ointment that would turn them into wolves. And when they turned into wolves, they got an insatiable taste for the blood of children. So the authorities found these men guilty after these confessions and killed them. And thus started werewolf hysteria in Europe. It's interesting that there always has to be an outside source to turn you into a wolf and you can't just transform. Well, then you'd be a witch, I would think. Well, it's the belt for yeah. Peter, this ointment. And the thing is, a lot of times, because I read a bunch of these stories, they don't always blame the devil or Satan. There's usually a man in black. A mysterious merchant. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> Or death himself. You want to know some of the most vicious people when it came to large-scale werewolf executions? Guess. Guess mm -hmm. who the most vicious people would be. The, the townsfolk. The fucking Swiss. Oh, I thought you, oh, you meant specific people. I thought you just meant, like, in terms of the execution. No, man, it's the Swiss. Okay. I don't know. Maybe that's why they're so neutral now. They're, like, making up for their past assumptions that people are werewolves, so now they just don't want to get involved in any conflict. Except, until now. Yeah. Anyways, in the 1400s, they just, like, swept through their own country looking for werewolves, and they were blaming people for natural disasters and cattle mutilations, specifically. Do you think... Cattle mutilations, specifically. What does that bring to your mind? Cattle mutilations. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah, I know what you're thinking I, I of. I don't want to. You say it. No. Okay, hear me out. Aliens. <laughs> okay, werewolves never existed. They were actually aliens. Really but hairy ones. But people back then were not worried about outer space invaders. They were too worried about, like, Wolves. keeping their chickens alive and yeah. shit. So... They blamed it on werewolves when, in reality, these cattle mutilations were alien activity. So, so, UFO, huh? so UFOs and alien abductions have been happening for centuries. Yes. Just could not comprehend them. Interesting huh? thoughts. Maybe. I'm just kidding. Kind of. That wasn't really the point of this story. I just wanted to bring aliens into it. Um, I wanted to say, before you got into alien theory, um, do you think the Swiss were just hunting down people that were exceptionally hairy, too? And they were just victims to It's possible to this? that, like, you know. Well, think about the witch trials. If you had a mole in a weird spot, you were a witch. Witch's teat. Exactly. So it would not surprise me if somebody was, ha like, hairier than normal. Where's your extra teat, Colleen? You don't want to know. <laughs> Anyways, the Swiss were merciless against alleged werewolves. And they ended up over the course of whatever, the century, burning several hundred men and women at the stake. And most times they were beheaded first to keep them from coming back as werewolves. Just to make sure. Yeah, a lot of times they were burned at the stake with a sack of gunpowder tied to their necks. Just to make extra double sure. Yes, I think that is brutal. It'd probably make it quicker, though. 
Yeah, I don't know. Interestingly, all of the land owned by these alleged werewolves was given back to the lord of the area after their death. Oh, are they going to say the church? No. Well, I mean, potentially, if the church, if the church was, was the lord. Yeah. So, I mean. And the lord is with us. All the time. <laughs> there could have been other reasons to accuse people of being a werewolf other than, you know, wolf murders. Is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, definitely. So, in addition to trying to come up with reasons for things happening that are beyond their control, like I said earlier, there were political and religious issues that were causing tensions in the area. And in remote areas like Livonia, which is an area in present-day Latvia, there were people at the time actively practicing pagan religions in defiance of the Catholic Church. How do you get rid of pagans? You accuse them of witchcraft and you kill them. Well, they were already doing witchcraft. Right, yes. But you get the surrounding Christians to do your dirty work for you. Right. And then there's nobody in your way. And inquisitors, werewolf inquisitors, witch inquisitors were often appointed by the Pope. But there were secular reasons for accusing people of being a werewolf as well. You want political power. Someone's in your way. Accuse them of being a werewolf and murder them. The current mayor who's an asshole is taking too much of your crop in tax and you just want them gone. Werewolf. Yeah. There were a lot of reasons similar to the witch witch trials. More than likely, not many of them actually had anything to do with witchcraft or werewolfery. Yeah. While this whole thing sounds like complete idiocy and chaos. It really was. I'm, it, yes, it does. Don't get me wrong. It definitely was. People in the Middle Ages, though, were not all clueless idiots. I think there was like a stereotype that Europe in the Middle Ages was like a big old filthy toothless group of That's just the uneducated <laughs> just kidding, people. Just kidding. <laughs> people living in huts and like raising chickens and stuff. But, I mean, there were doctors and scholars and theologians and philosophers and, philosophers yeah. and educated people. I think we just, that doesn't come to mind when you think werewolf hysteria. But the thing is, well, there were a lot of devout Christians who did truly believe in witchcraft. Mm-hmm. In my personal opinion, I think that these trials were power struggles. Yeah. Basically between the wealthy upper class taking advantage of the uneducated poor who would believe in witchcraft or werewolves or myth mythos and legends. And they're basically using these people to do their dirty work for them. Get rid of the people they want gotten rid of. I'm sure that's true in many of the trials yes. and Yeah, I mean, I'm, you can't make that explanation for all of But them. I think a mass hysteria can really grip a town. Too, yes. For sure. Fully agreed. But I mean, what better way to keep people in line than by telling them they're surrounded by Satan-worshipping werewolves who just want to murder you. And I'm the only person who can protect you because I'm the only one who can tell you which one of you is a werewolf. Perfect for a bishop of a diocese to start up a riot. Yeah. And even the educated Christians who did believe in the presence of werewolves in their towns, they had to, like, reconcile their beliefs with actual official church teaching at the time because the official belief of the church— at this time period was that Satan was not powerful enough to actually transform a human into something else. Only God could do that. 
Satan could create illusions. I mean, can illusion mutilate cattle and kill children? Where, like, what is your actual motive? And why are you blaming this on church teachings? Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, even at the time. So how do they explain werewolves, then, if it's not Satan? I don't know. I have no idea. They just. They just said. Well, I mean, people have always made justifications for things that they believe using different parts of Christian texts. Yeah. So. I suppose. I don't know. Well. Medicine at the time was obviously not as advanced as it is today. So when physicians were called to testify in these trials, which they did have extensive trials for each of these people, they would occasionally credit the devil with the phenomenon. Because, like, obviously, back in the Middle Ages, Satan was real and Satan was interacting in your life. Whether or not you believe in werewolves or not, it's more than likely that you did truly believe in God and Satan. And that Satan had an influence on your life. So some of the physicians would say, yes, Satan is messing with the body's humors. Right. And very common belief at the time that your body has four humors or like liquids in it, basically. And if they're out of balance, you know, you have too much of one that can make you super angry and sick. Or if you have too much of the other one, you can be super depressed. And so the way to be healthy is to have all four of these humors in balance. Now. Satan can influence that, and if he can do the right kind of imbalance, you can transform into a wolf and murder people, I guess. I see. Okay. More woke doctors at the time blamed melancholia, which was described as a kind of depression that could cause delusions or mania, which is kind of what people would probably use to explain it today. Delusions. Hallucinations. Sure. Yeah. Um, even now, lycanthropy is a an actual mental illness in which somebody today believes themselves to be a werewolf. That actually happens. It's possible that some of the confessions were people suffering from mental delusions that they were, in fact, transforming into a werewolf and not necessarily confessing because of torture. Right. I mean, I don't know how common that would have been, but it's a possibility. This sort of delusion can also be brought on by drug use. And at the time, folk medicines, mushrooms, hallucinogens were not super uncommon. Today, most people believe that the confessions made were the result of torture, more than likely, but also mental illness or low IQ, which was probably likely back then. This probably just prohibited people from actually understanding what it was they were confessing to. They're not in their clear state of mind. They're not. I mean, you may be thinking whilst you're being tortured, if I say this, it'll stop. You're right. not thinking of the future. And Same with having a low IQ. I mean, like Brandon Dassey. Yeah, I was just going to say that, too. Like he was basically convinced he needed to say he was guilty in order to leave that interrogation room. But then he never saw the light of day again. Exactly. So that is more than likely why people would have confessed to something as ridiculous as being a werewolf. But, but you should also just make note here, not there wasn't more low IQ people back then. No. There, there was just lack of education. Correct. Standardized education. Correct. Yes. I didn't mean to say like the average person was low IQ. Right. Um, other things I read that could be explanations for werewolves would be rabies, hypertrichosis, which is the genetic disorder that causes like excessive hair growth. Yep. Um, food poisoning. 
I'm not quite sure what they mean by this. Um, maybe they're talking about there's like certain rye bread that like if it goes bad, it creates a chemical that causes hallucinations. Yeah. I got. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I, throwing up and that makes me want to eat someone. I got food poisoning like a couple days before my birthday. And like the only thing I wanted to murder was the toilet, man. <laughs> <laughs> got him. <laughs> Diarrhea joke. Anyways. Um, people gradually, over time, became more educated. Belief in werewolves slowed down. Reports of werewolves slowed down. And the wolf werewolf hysteria gradually just ended on its own. Except it didn't. We're in the middle of one right now with this dreamy Jacob. It's tr- well, you're a few years behind. That I was know, a while I know. ago. It's like a full 10 years ago. But. You know what's interesting? People at the like there, it was more common for people who were having experiencing delusions to have a delusion of themselves turning into a wolf. And eventually, like as werewolf hysteria toned down, so did the number of people who had werewolf delusions. It's not that people stopped having delusions, it's just that once werewolves like left the public consciousness delusions changed right isn't like that their, crazy their, how that works personification changed to something else yeah i just think that's crazy i we, mean well it makes sense because if you've got werewolves on the mind and hey, i just we, think that's awesome we kind of talked about that concept a little bit on our last patreon episode mm-hmm. um and the concept of tulpas and how that kind of relates to so if you're interested consider mm-hmm. <laughs> no more plugs sorry <laughs> In addition, um, as the world got more industrialized, wolf attacks became less common. So you can't really blame wolf attacks on werewolves if there aren't any attacks to begin with. So the wolf population in Italy, I read, is thriving right now. I mean, I think it's starting to come back in general. I mean, even today, wolves are demonized. Yeah, don't kill the wolves. Yeah, I mean, They're all, they were almost are, gone. For if a you are bit. a farmer. I do understand your frustration if a wolf is murdering your livestock, but I think people tend to like, I mean, three little pigs, the werewolf or the wolf is going to, I don't know. It's just the, it, it, whenever there's a villain, you can describe them as a wolf. It just, Nor- it's interesting because it's just a freaking, it's the same as a coyote. Norse mythology, Fenrir, the giant wolf is arguably one of the main villains of the stories. Yes. Yeah. Anyways. That is Peter Stump and uh, werewolf hysteria. So now that you know about hysteria, what do you think? What about now hysteria? Do you, yeah, uh, now that you know more about werewolf hysteria, what do you think about Peter Stump's story? Do you think he just confessed for no reason? Or do you think he did legitimately have something to do with the deaths around town? I mean, it, it is so hard to say since we only have that one pamphlet. But if I were to harbor a guess, I would say he was a serial killer and just said he was a wolf. Interesting. So I like, it's also very possible he did nothing. Yes. That's the thing. I so think I my know. first in, inclination would be to say he was innocent. But someone had to kill all those children. It could have been a wolf. But you you did make the point, though, that there were way more wolf killings than normal. That's what they said, yeah. But I wasn't around, so I don't know. Anyways. It's, it's just be very convenient if you are a serial killer to frame it that a wolf did it. it could Correct. Be very, and it'd be very easy to do that, I would assume. Right. And you could leave the same teeth marks by having a wolf jaw. Mm-hmm. Diabolical, man. I mean, like we said, people weren't necessarily stupid back then. No, not at all. It's just they you could, don't think of it. It could be uh, some in- ingenuity 
involved with the evil killings. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that's, that's my story. We have a returning guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And by guest, I mean a, a specific story. Uh, in the past, we have had a couple stories uh, from our... I, I don't know what to, to say, Discord user, Twitter follower, but just listener. our listener. Uh, he's on a, a lot of our platforms, but Black Rain, uh, in the past, he has brought us stories of uh, shadow beings that he witnessed while he was trucking in Montana. Mm-hmm. And his story continues with this tale. Okay, I love listener stories. Okay, go. So this happened back in the fall of 2015. Just after I got the new job driving a semi-truck on a delivery route in Montana at night. So he was a night driver. Mm-hmm. Or I think he still is, too. It's also after I saw that shadow dog thing on the side of the road, which we previously talked about. Mm-hmm. My new job had required me to move to a new town and to a new apartment. I had only been in the new apartment a few months. And he needs to say again, at this time, he was not listening to any podcasts or anything paranormal, and it was the furthest thing from his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with me working at night, I was sleeping during the day. And it was during one of my day sleeping times that I had this encounter. I had gone to bed shortly after I'd gotten home that morning. The next time I remember anything, opening my eyes, I was floating above my bed. I was looking at my empty bed with the cover thrown off to the side, but I was floating above it six or seven feet in the air, close to the ceiling. What? As I was floating there, I felt very calm as if I was in a daze. It felt like I was in a dream. One reason I say this is because the detail of my bedroom was spot on to how it looked in the waking world. That's the best way I can say it. Every detail was spot on even down to the laundry I had pulled out of the dryer and left in the laundry basket at the foot of my bed. That's not something I would normally remember from a dream, something that detailed. Also, as I was floating there, I had thought, oh, am I having a flying dream? Because I've had flying dreams in the past. I don't know how long I floated there, looking around my room in a dream haze, and then I blacked out. And when I came to, I was back in my bed, laying on my right side, right arm stretched out, forearm hanging over the edge of my bed. I was still in that dream haze state, looking around my bedroom, but now from laying in my bed. Looking around my bedroom, eventually my gaze is drawn to my outstretched right arm, and I'm looking at my hand hanging over the edge of my bed, when a gray hand reaches up from the side of my bed, and wraps around my wrist, giving it a tight squeeze. Oh, I hate it. This startled me, making me jerk my hand away out of that grasp. And with the way I was laying on my side, I couldn't move my arm much other than bending it at my elbow. (laughs) Oh, I see. Uh, So he bent his arm at the elbow, and it made him smack himself in the face. (laughs) Uh, I was startled that a dead hand came and grabbed my wrist, so I slapped myself Well, he was laying on his upper arm so he could only move his forearm. (laughs) I get it. Uh, This woke or brought me out of that daze. My heart was racing, and I'm breathing hard, watching the edge of my bed, not knowing if the gray hand had been a dream or if it was something that was actually climbing from underneath my bed. A minute or two passes, and nothing appears. I get my nerves up and look over the edge of my bed to find nothing is there. The whole time I tell myself it must have been a strange dream, even though I could still feel where the gray hand had grabbed my wrist. After I had calmed down, I went back to sleep, and it would be over a year before I thought or remembered the hand. I can remember its gray color and black fingernails. 
There was a second time about a year later in a different apartment that I woke to find myself floating above my bed again, just like the first time in that dream daze. But when I found myself back in my bed, instead of something grabbing me, there was a cloaked, shadowy figure standing in the door to my bathroom six feet from my bed. As I lay there, I couldn't move my body, being paralyzed, possibly sleep paralysis. I'm trying to will or force my body to move, and I hear a voice in my head. Lay still. Pretend to be asleep. So they or it will not harm you. When I hear that, I do struggle for a moment trying to figure out if I came up with that myself or if something really did talk to me in my mind. Not being able to speak, being paralyzed, I tried thinking, what is going on? I didn't get any reply, but I could tell that the cloaked shadow figure was still standing in the doorway to the bathroom. It stood there for a while, watching me before leaving out towards the closed bedroom door. As it was leaving, I was hearing a weird sound. So this happens every once in a while up until 2019, where he would sleep during the day or the night. I would have a different kind of shadow person visit me. The cloaked figure during the day, a very skinny tall one at night. I might only have a visit from them either a few times a month with some time in between visits. And he says he'll have another story in the future about the shadow people that visits him. What the heck, dude? How does all of this stuff happen to you? I don't know about the the levitating, but that shadow person is definitely something that happens to basically any sleep paralysis story. But do they touch you? According to my memory from that documentary, The Nightmare, which is all about sleep paralysis, that happens a lot where they like grab you and feel like they're suffocating you and grabbing your limbs and stuff. Oh, God, that's awful. What causes sleep paralysis? Because it doesn't sound like that's something he experiences often. Well, he said it's, it's happened a few times since then. So sleep paralysis can either be temporary or it can happen to you recurring. Like Right. I, I remember when we did that episode on sleep paralysis, among other sleep related mm-hmm. things, uh, it can happen to people once or twice throughout their life, or it can be a much more often reoccurring thing several times a month or maybe even every night for some people. Ugh. I feel like that could definitely explain the the shadow person, but I know you're going, Black Rain, you're going to have more uh, details about the shadow people that visit you, which terrifies me. You know what the levitating thing sound like? The levitating thing that sounds like to me is astral projection because kinda yeah because he note noted that it was it was like it was a dream state but it was more detailed than a dream and he was witnessing like a himself above he couldn't witness his body below but he could see the scene of his bedroom from above it, okay so he couldn't see his body I don't think he said that no if he was that would be very very similar to near-death experiences and it would be very interesting if you like experienced a near-death experience and then saw shadow people it has to be related though because that first night well no it happened both times where uh-huh. he was levitating and then the hand was there and then the shadow person was I there. I think that like you were meant to be taken to the afterlife and you somehow evaded it is it death? Could be. Is it? Except that there was somebody who said they were going to hurt you. And I feel like the average, like, reaper isn't there to hurt you. They just want to, like, you know, take you to your next destination. I hope you're not dying, Black Rain. He, he, Black Rain did say that it seemed like sleep paralysis. I will say that is a much more, like, eventful sleep paralysis yeah. than I've heard of. And thankfully, I, 
Maybe you transcend into a different dimension. And, you know, you saw shadow people in their home dimension. (laughs) I don't know. I just am coming up with theories at this point. Um, Thank you for that story. That's fascinating. And please write us the other parts of your story. Looking forward to the more shadow people thing. I, I will say before we end the episode, when I was still in high school, that's one place or, or there's this one asylum. It was either in Kentucky or like Yes, I remember Tennessee. because you kept asking me if I would go on a road trip there with you and spend the night there to be spooked. Yeah, it was it was an old sanatorium where TB patients would be, but it's like a touristy thing now and you can spend the night there, not like sleeping, but you just go through the night there, going sure. through it. And their claim to fame is shadow people. Like instead of ghosts, it's shadow people that roam the halls. And I wanted to go because that idea terrifies me more than the average ghost. Shadow people, yeah. They're, I find them scarier than ghosts as well because they're more of like a menacing being of their own. Whereas a ghost, you're kind of like... It's a projection of a human. Yeah, like it's a projection of some, a human that used to be. Whereas a shadow, peop- a shadow people is its own entity. <laughs> yeah, like a demonic force of some kind. Yeah, or maybe they're good. Maybe they're fourth dimensional beings. We're just seeing their shadows. Check out that episode. Let's not get into that. If you have a story, whether it happened to you or just something you want us to talk about on the podcast, you can send it to us. You can use Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all are at NerdslothHQ. Or you can email us at podcasts at nerdsloth.com. And I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but if you enjoy this podcast, you can consider donating to our Patreon for Nerdsloth as a whole. Yeah. So thanks for checking us out, and we'll be back at you next week with another tasty, tasty tale of terror. Except it's going to be St. Patty's Day. St. Patty's Day. Okay, we'll catch you next time. We love you. Bye. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.